Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. channel bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box the dugout and the stands hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the post game podcast with me your host edward k today we'll be bringing you jürgen klopp's post-match press conference as well as plenty of fan reaction from liverpool's one-all draw at stamford bridge against chelsea in their premier league season opener i'm okay with the point i saw the game so i know we could have won but i saw the game we could have lost as well so um that's how it is. I think we had the last chance of the game, right? Probably that would have been a great moment to finish it off. But we had a really good start into the game. Like that a lot. Everything was there, what we were working on. Um, scored two wonderful goals. One disallowed for offside. It was really close. The, the, the build-up to that goal was anyway absolutely top class. Um, but then we opened the door for for, for Chelsea. With um, we lost the ball in one or two situations, which was unnecessary. And around the second, I think the second goal was after set piece. I don't know, but I'm sure. So like the other goal, when we we won the ball, we had the ball, and then we didn't clear it enough. So, but it was offside as well. So, but obviously Chelsea was then better in the game, and um, it was an open game then. And second half with the crowd and um, all these things. We had to f- dig really deep and fight hard. And in the end, we got a point and that's okay. I saw a lot of things I liked and of course, some things I, I, I didn't like particularly, but it's um, a first game and um, in a tough place. And I'm really, I tend to see it rather positive, to be honest. And um, so far in my career, uh, first match days were always difficult um, and and away game at Chelsea as a first match is, is, is not it's not a top draw and so we have a point and we keep working Hi, can you explain the role of Gapro in the midfield with Talisman so both slides or his plan was mispronounced what did you expect from him and what did you see <coughs> the role of Cody Gapro it was an eight. Yeah. And I had to do what an eight has to do. You want a more detailed explanation or what? Um, yeah, it's, like, it's like, you know, he's not used to that role. So oh, he is. He, he played that pretty much all preseason. Um, and he can play different positions. And for players, that's very important, I think, in modern football that we should get rid of these. Um, when we decided that everybody can have his own number on the back, 
then a two was not a two anymore and a six was not a six anymore. So you can play a B strike and have a six. So that was the first step in the right direction. And now I think modern football is like that, that um, players can play different positions. And, and, and Dom Soboslite didn't play the position in his former club as well. Um, played them more from the wing, defensively especially. Offensively was more half space. Um, so the role suits him. Definitely, is for us. Is for us super important. I think today you could see the first game of this preseason. A lot of, a lot of um, um, spaces to cover, gaps to close, and that was actually our problem in the game, that we tried to close the the, the gaps by dropping instead of by stepping in. Um, what we did in the beginning. And then they could find Sterling between the lines. Then James was all of a sudden in the game. Chilwell better in the game um, with these things, um, and that we could have, we should have solved it better. But the best way to to avoid these kind of things is obviously controlling the game. But we could have done because always when we, uh, when our um, when we did that, when we passed in the right moment, when we kept the ball in the right moment, then we created one-one situations on the wing. So that this was really tricky for Chelsea to to deal with. Um, and so, yeah. How is that? It's it's the first game, not the last. So there's, we have a lot of things to improve, no doubt about that. But um, I saw already a, a good basis. Okay. Um, Jurgen, Mo didn't look very happy when when you took him off. Was I mean, what was your reasoning? And did you have to have a conversation with him after? No, didn't have a conversation yet with him. Actually, um, Mo, I don't think you ever saw Mo um, leaving the pitch happily. I, I can't remember it. Um, that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And today, obviously, I think I didn't. Know, I didn't think in that moment about it. I didn't even know about it. Um, that um, if he would have scored in that game, it would have not been all-time record or whatever. So I understand his disappointment. But I'm the manager of the whole team, and in that moment, we needed fresh legs. I think that made really sense for us. Um, and it's never anything to do with Mo or whatever or against him. Of course not. 99% um, of the things we achieved, we, we, we achieved because of him or with him, and. Um, so, and that he's not happy is clear. Um, I understand that, um, and that's no problem. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of players for wasting time, and that's supposed to be why stoppage time is so long. But it seems to me that all the stoppage time today was for the officials taking centre stage, bar making decisions on threads of offside, which isn't what offside is about and never was. And it seems to me that uh, the game's more about the officials than the players. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for bringing me in the position. So, uh, oh my God, you might write your article without uh, uh, anything from me. Um, but I didn't see that way today, so it's, it's absolutely clear. Um, I think last season, was uh, some teams stretched it, so definitely. And we are not one of these teams, we never were. Um, and I knew we will get a yellow card, well, probably the first yellow card for time wasting with a throw in. <laughs> so, like when Trent is looking for a player, when he find, tries to find a player, this is a, a tactical thing. They cannot just take the ball and throw it. That, that this is a tactical thing. It's like Brentford. If you take the stoppage time for Trent, Brentford, when they take a free kick, for example. That takes ages because they have 500 routines. They need to clarify first and foremost which one they take. The corners the same. Nobody would think about uh, 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 their uh, giving them a yellow card. Um, and it's throw-ins is the same. So maybe we have to clarify a little, that a little bit. Um, but besides that, I think too many teams. 
I'm not sure how they stretched it just uh, they did it too obvious and that's why everybody thinks we should um, watch a bit more football and um, so I don't know exactly what's the the, the, the net ball in play time was today um, but that's how it is now I, I, it was not a problem today to be honest for me in the end was was it first half six or eight minutes even first half because of the yeah, the VR's decisions and second half five, I think that's a lot. But that's a, this is a, a time where we do it. So try to sort it like that. I'm not sure that will last forever, but for the moment it's like that, and we have to deal with it. Last couple over here. Then we have to go. Not a lot of Chelsea and Liverpool fans talking before the game about transfer window, Casado and Lavia. It seems that both clubs are interested. Is there anything you can say to enlighten people on what may or may not? Where's the camera? No. <laughs> you still need more players? I was. Oh. Yeah, obviously that's what each Chelsea manager wants, and usually they get it. So, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know, I have can nothing to say about that, to be honest. So, sorry. Jurgen, I saw the uh, official policing where one coach can go forward yeah. each time. Do you understand that rule? Yeah. Is it a Champions League like that anyway? I, th I think it's only for one team a real problem. Newcastle. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, no, no, it was uh, it obviously that we have first team coaches, we have assistants, and they are all lively and it's absolutely fine. And we get up, we have just to get used to it a bit around the set piece, Pete Carpets, so we got up and then. Um, the fourth bridge told me, yeah, you cannot say, okay, what happens when I, if I sit down? Yeah, then you can. Yeah, we're going to sit down. It's absolutely fine. So we, we need to get used to it, but it's, um, it's fine. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool come away with a point from Stamford Bridge after the 1 1 draw with Chelsea. And yeah, after about 30 minutes of the game or 25 minutes of the game, it was quite a painful watch. As a supporter, I thought Liverpool were really poor in possession, especially. They could not manipulate the ball. They could not transfer the ball up the field. They could not make it stick in the final third. And these are all traits we've seen for the vast majority of last season. There's a lot of focus towards individuals coming in and improving Liverpool. But unless they get a framework within the team where they are, they are able sorry, to be able to build up attacks be able to play out from the back and be able to retain possession to circulate it in the final fence to ring fence the opposition in for a period of time. If the ball is continually going to be switching hands, it really doesn't matter what kind of personnel you've got in there. Liverpool have to have a situation in which the coaching both on and off the ball and the performance of the actual players that they have currently in the team as a collective is a lot better because that was it was painful at times to watch that second half in particular Liverpool treated the ball like a hand grenade at times there was a lack of options for Liverpool players when they were in possession and when they were and did manage to have the ball they would consistently give it back to the opposition try and speed the game up too too quickly try and go forward too quickly not weigh the right moment to slow the game down the moment to attack quicker when it's the right time it was so in line with what I'd seen so many times last season from Liverpool. And obviously Liverpool, towards the back end of the season, improved a lot of them aspects by changing the system of the team. But primarily, well, virtually all of today's 90 minutes was played within that previous 4-3-3 shape. Liverpool, because they were in a position to have long periods of possession, 
couldn't really go into the Alexander-Arnold advancing and jumping into midfield when Liverpool had the ball because they simply had that lack of it. It didn't really become a factor within the game. And then out of possession, Liverpool did not seem to want to want to pressure immediately in terms of the transitions when Alexander-Arnold was, was in that midfield position and would rather have been in a position where they would almost take up a rest defence position and, and, and stick rigidly to that 4-3-3. So not, not a great performance in overall when we talk about the game, but of course the main talking point of the week has been Liverpool trying to acquire a midfield player, in particular Moises Caicedo from Brighton, which the situation's obviously turned into a bit of a mess, much like today's performance, to be honest. And there's no question that Liverpool need a player who is happier sitting deeper within their midfield system, a player who's physically more imposing than the players they've got, a player who's able to cover ground and be more of a destructive player than they currently have in their, on their roster of players, if you like. And, and obviously they had identified Caicedo. And I think there's a few things to this. I mean, obviously at first we know that Liverpool were going or making an attempt to sign Romeo Lavia, a player from Southampton. Now, that, was proven obstructive for Liverpool because of the fee Southampton were asking for for a 19-year-old player. And at that point, I think the general thought process within football, especially from what I've been reading, is that Chelsea had pretty much had an agreement with Moises Caicedo which would take him to Stamford Bridge. However, it then appears over the last week or so that that agreement was not in place and Chelsea were having problems in sealing the deal and I think Liverpool almost seen an opportunistic moment in which they could potentially sign the player. Now, of course, Liverpool at the start of the window did not have the money or win expecting the money from Fabinho and Jordan Henderson and that's probably changed the way they thought about the transfer targets that they were trying to acquire and maybe why Moises Caicedo then became a player on their radar, especially after you know, they got the the inklings that, that the Chelsea deal wasn't concrete. And I think, obviously, when we look at probably how this has played out, big clubs like Liverpool don't make bids <laughs> like they did do for Moises Caicedo without the assurance from the player and the agent that if the bid was put in, he'd be happy to, to, to play for Liverpool. <laughs> and I think that obviously would would or has been the case in this scenario. The difference has probably been, however, the Chelsea have then come back in, Todd Bowley and Chelsea offered the agent more money, offered the player more money, and then all of a sudden you're in a situation where the player's probably been had his heart set on going there all summer anyway. The conversations have all been leading to that, the opportunity to live in London, and the enhancements of the pay packet for the agents and the player, which should be substantially more for Liverpool. And it seems, obviously, like the player has then changed his mind, which... Liverpool probably wouldn't been wouldn't have been expecting. Now, what you can criticise Liverpool on is should they been should they have been expecting that? Did they believe that Caicedo's word or the agent's word would be good enough, knowing what Chelsea could potentially offer, which would supersede what Liverpool could, and it wouldn't be the end of the the deal if you like by the the, the twelve o'clock deadline that Brighton imposed and that's pretty much how it's played out is that Chelsea have have not been willing to accept defeat on it and have and have offered that package. Another, I suppose, criticism you could make of Liverpool is should Liverpool have been going for Moises Caicedo earlier in the window regardless of his price. But as I say, you could probably 
listen, it's where you sit with that. Sit with that. Obviously, FSG run the, the the football club as a self-sustaining business. Whether you agree with that or not, that's what that's what they do. That's how they work. Their ownership of Liverpool, and obviously without the money of Henderson and Fabinho and multiple other positions needed to be attended to in the squad, that was the 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 choice that they made. Now people might say. Well, how can they go for Moises Caicedo and not, for example, Jude Bellingham? On a few thing, different things here. Obviously, the Henderson and Fabinho money, which came in later in the window, which gives them the opportunity to probably, as a self-sustaining business, expend more than they thought. Because initially, obviously, they felt they needed to fill more positions and didn't have that money coming in. But also, I think, in terms of... FSG and, and 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 how they go about things with Jude Bellingham. I mean, what people are failing to realise here is Jude Bellingham was the most sought after player in European football from the elite clubs. And the reality is, Liverpool are not playing in the Champions League. In all honesty, the most likely in this scenario is that Jude Bellingham has told Liverpool he's going to play for the biggest club in the world, Real Madrid. And Liverpool is the the optics of how they want to look on the outside in terms of perception. Have then pulled out the race before they were rejected out of the race. That's the more obvious play and, and how things materialise with that one, just in case, obviously, people had that sort of question mark hanging over that. And I suppose where this all leaves Liverpool now in the Caicedo deal is, is a difficult one because you see they will have to obviously go back to Romeo Levia. How does he feel about that? the way that's played out? And Liverpool have been made to look a little bit silly in it all, but then they did think it was an opportunity opportunistic moment to get the player I suppose so it's not ended well and it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the week goes obviously further complicated by the fact that Chelsea seem to have also agreed to deal with Romeo Lavia but that could go the other way he may feel that Liverpool are the preferred destination of choice there's a more obvious place for him in the start in 11 than there is at Chelsea but again we'll have to see how that plays out obviously we know that Chelsea have got financial fair play potential issues now do Liverpool already know about that did they set the bid at £111 million because they were aware of that fact or had some information that alluded to that because it's been 48 hours since Liverpool put the bid in which has been accepted by Brighton and still Chelsea have not, uh, in through the public anyway, agreed to deal with Brighton. So you've got to wonder what else is going on in the background. I think there's two things that are absolutely certain. If Moises Caicedo wanted to be a Liverpool player, he'd have already had his medical and been in Liverpool by now. But I think the second one is there's definitely something in terms of Chelsea's finances that has prohibited them from making a bid which beats Liverpool's offer at this moment in time. And you could almost think that the Lavia bid was a safeguarding effect to in, in the circumstance that Caicedo eventually didn't join Chelsea or for the issue of potentially eliminating Liverpool's fallback option which then might have enticed Liverpool to then reject the bid for Caicedo, knowing that his preference was London and for Chelsea. So there's some of the kind of things that I'm just surmising from the situation. But again, you just don't know how it's going to play out over the next couple of the next couple of days, I suppose. I think the one thing, what I would say, is I don't think Liverpool will be signing two central midfield players for that deeper position. I think the idea that Romeo Lavia is 19 and wouldn't be the player in that position, I, I think that's incorrect. I think if you buy him doesn't matter if he's 19 or 21 like I say though is if they think he's good enough and they're paying that kind of money for him he'll be playing in Liverpool's side and, and obviously shared in minutes in the games that he doesn't play with the likes of Bicetic and the most important player if they can get him fit Thiago who Liverpool can almost use as a as a luxury in terms of just thinking right it's almost a bonus when he's fit this season and he's that good 
you get as many minutes out of him as possible. And I think that, alongside Alexis McAllister, who played that double deeper role for Brighton, will be the options in that area this season. So I do believe that it'll just be the one. And the most likely of this outcome at the moment is it'll be Romeo Lavia if... If all plays out the way you would expect, Caicedo ends up at Chelsea. Chelsea don't have the money to sanction both deals. Lavia prefers Liverpool because of the groundwork that they put on in the deal, much as Caicedo, Chelsea did with Caicedo previously. So just some thoughts on that. And again, the most interesting thing about this is I don't really know. This is just what I'm surmising. And I suppose the rest of the general public don't really know how these things play out. And I'm sure a lot more deals go this kind of way just not obviously in the public domain, which hasn't looked great for both clubs, but ultimately we're so for Liverpool if they come out of a deal where they've been £111 million for a player and not acquired that player. So, so yeah, disappointing performance and probably a disappointing end of the week where it looks how it's going to play out. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's 1-1 draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So I watched this one in Patong, which is sort of the party town in Phuket, Thailand. And uh, despite torrential rain <laughs> in the hours that preceded kickoff, there were plenty of people who came out in full force to all the bars wearing Liverpool shirts uh, to watch this one. Didn't see any Chelsea shirts. Um, pretty satisfying performance in the end I must say given what's happened over the last couple of weeks or so and our our continuous concerns that we we might not be well staffed particularly in defensive midfield but didn't uh, McAllister play particularly well there and I like him in that role because um, he's clearly got plenty of talent hasn't he very very forward thinking on the ball he'll run with it he'll make incisive passes a little bit like Thiago in that sense he breaks lines with balls played forward what's really nice about him playing in that position is that he's not going to be picked up to the extent that he is uh, playing in the number eight position so um, I suspect we're only going to see him in the six until we get and if we get a defensive midfielder but um Let's not panic for the time being, because he did a pretty good job there, I must say. thought he played very well, as did Shabozlai, um, particularly in the first half, I thought. Um, but, yeah, throughout, I think that was um, you know, really encouraging to see our two big signings uh, perform very, very well, fit in seamlessly. Um, doesn't look as if they're going to require the kind of adjustment that players like Fabinho, for example, uh, found necessary when when he joined the club took him a while to settle in and these two these two fellas seem to be uh yeah seem to have fit right in i must say i didn't think um the changes that jürgen klopp made necessarily improved our position although harvey elliott did play well looked keen looked hungry um but yeah i i think it's a bit of a relief that Trent Alexander-Arnold continued to play in that hybrid role because it's it's good to watch him do that. He seems to have um, improved his mobility um, from one position to the other in transition compared to, to last season. He did pretty well last season, I must say, but he looks in good shape uh, this season as well. So, you know, if you look at the first game of the season last year when we I think it was we drew away to Fulham did we not I think so you know a draw at Chelsea on the first day of the season 
given the amount of money they have spent and will continue to spend, is really not a bad result at all. We, I mean, we were effectively, in my mind at least, 2-0 up at one point, but for VAR, which made the correct decisions, and then suddenly we were on the brink of being 2-1 down. But VAR saved us from that fate. Um, at the moment, I am, I am positive in, in uh, how we look with the season coming, but clearly, clearly, clearly we need to staff ourselves in that sixth position because as soon as injuries come, we're going to be in big trouble. And as we know, injuries come. Good start to the season, though. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.